0: Alright everybody, welcome to Spear Addicts. It's uh me and the co-host Taylor from Norvell Central. Uh we're gonna pretty much cover a little bit on our win against Syracuse and we're gonna go straight into the pregame for UNC. Um I'm gonna kinda start myself because I've I've been a guest on uh Holics this week. Um I really enjoyed my time over there and I wanna give those guys a shout out for having me on. Um with that I, I pretty much gave all of my in game detail of what I thought had happened at Syracuse, so I don't wanna feel like I'm being repetitive. Um I know a lot of y'all came and watched and also listened to their podcast, so I was informed. Um so I'm not gonna be repetitive. No, we did not win pretty uh but I don't as a fan, uh I just don't care how pretty a win is as long as you win. Um uh, I like the fact that no matter what adversity came up we continued to fight and we actually finished the game. We uh left it up to fits uh at the last second and it worked out for us this time and I'm extremely proud because I think that that's a lot of growth. Um it shows that our staff and uh the players on the offense had plenty of confidence and fits to do what he needed to for us to win the game um i'm extremely proud of the way that we continued to fight regardless of what went wrong and regardless of us allowing them to stay in the game as long as we did um but i'm just proud of of the team and i'm gonna say the last part for syracuse um i i really really want to see how this team responds off of a win um Versus a loss, we don't respond too well off of losses, so I expect us to respond a lot better off of a win. So much so that I actually have us winning the UNC game, uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later about score predictions. Uh, A lot of folks do not have us winning against UNC, which is understandable. I know why, I know what points they put up, I know what Sam Howell's doing this year, but I still have us winning against them even though we're playing in Chapel Hill. With that said, guys, I'm going to turn it over to Taylor and let him start his, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, like Chris said, I mean, we we got a much-needed win. It was very pivotal for this program just to get off on the right start. And I know that 0-4 wasn't in the uh, best interest of the fan base, and I understand that there was a lot of things going against Florida State at one moment. Uh, But we were able to secure the win. We were able to fight back, uh, get a little more determination to be able to finish that game. Kind of like Chris talked about, I mean, when we got up nine to nothing, you know, you were thinking the game could be out of hand and we were getting in a very good situation. Uh, You know, defensive line set the tone really early. Uh, We ran the ball with Corbin very, very good. Um, There were a couple of things that Florida State really needs to work on just in terms of getting better each and every snap. Uh, there was more of a consistency effort, but just overall I think that we were able to force uh, Sean Tucker into about 25 carries for 110 yards. He had to work for 100 yards. Um, unfortunately, Garrett Schrader was just – you know, when you're going up 9 to nothing, and you're getting to a point where Syracuse wasn't really able to move the ball, the defense was really getting a lot of confidence getting off the field on third downs, and then you allow that 55-yard touchdown run, and it was really deflating. I mean – Jermaine Johnson misses an open field tackle, and you really don't have anybody left. Uh, You know, DJ Lundy made a bad angle right there, and uh, you know, the block, I'm very surprised the ACC reps didn't call that block, uh, because it basically took Lundy and two other uh, players out of the play, but you know, there's really no fight uh, and effort from that team on that run, uh, because after Jermaine Johnson, there was nobody left to uh, account for the quarterback, and I was very uh, surprised because uh, Schrader is not the most athletic player on the field, uh, nor is he very fast. Um, so I thought that was a little bit concerning. border uh, State kind of turned it around and, you know, we, we ended up getting the uh, the lead before halftime with 16 to 13. And uh, we were able to kind of generate some kind of momentum going there. You know, we, we got up a couple of times in the game, uh, especially with a couple of different things and, um, there was one instance there, too. We were up 30-20. to 20. We could have been able to solidify the game away and, and get up another score. But, you know, Ontario Wilson makes that critical mistake on a punt return. And, you know, I, I thought – typically I thought Ontario Wilson played pretty well until you got up to that point. But whenever he – you know, he was able to kind of get a – I think it was one of the punts that they had. Uh, he was able to get it to the 50-yard line to save a little bit of field position. Keyshawn Helton probably would have made that drop and drop it all the way back to the five-yard line. So there was moments there with Wilson, but there's also things that he could learn from. Uh, I think that overall, all three units played fairly well. Um, The offense is kind of limited. I see a lot of times with Florida State fans, they were wondering what what we were going to do on some of these wide receiver screens on the boundary side. A lot of times on the short side of the field – we don't really have a whole lot of receivers that create separation for themselves, so of course, you have to come and kind of find innovative ways to uh, move the offense, move the ball around, and I think this was probably their best shot. I mean, you get it at the short side of the field, you make sure the receivers can block on the perimeter and kind of go from there, but overall, I just, I, I thought the offensive performance was okay. I, I wish we would ran the ball a little bit more with uh, Corbin and Ward. Um, I think Ward only finished with two carries, and one of those carries was a 56-yard carry in the third quarter. And then you also had uh, Jay Sean Corbett that had 14 carries. Uh, he had a couple of big runs. He almost uh, broke away from a couple. So I thought that was really pivotal for Florida State to keep going there. Um, and, you know, most of Jordan Travis's designed runs are really runs in general were just designed pass plays. So, I mean, he's basically just playing backyard football sometimes. And we've seen that from Jordan Travis. This is not anything new. Uh, Jordan Travis has been able to improvise throughout the pocket and kind of make, you know, a little bit of his own. Um, Personally, I I think that Jordan Travis, uh, you know, what he did on the last drive was simply heroic. Um, I'd never thought that he was able to kind of uh, stretch the sideline down the left side and be able to still stay in bounds. I thought that was a really great effort by uh, guys like Cam McDonald and also uh, Keyshawn Helton. I thought they made pivotal blocks especially for a guy like Cam McDonald that uh, forced the interception earlier because he missed a crucial block. I mean, this was a moment for him that he needed to kind of back from. Uh, there were some moments, especially with special teams, where Ontario Wilson, like I said, missed that muff the punt. Uh, you know, uh, Ryan Fitzgerald missed the extra points. There, there was pivotal moments where the special teams needed to kind of get in the right direction. They weren't really able to do that until later in the game. Also, defensively, uh, we were able to uh, – wheel out those big touchdown runs, chunk plays, uh, I think on a third and ten with uh, – when we were down 30 to 20, you know, they were able to – right after that muffed punt, uh, you know, you thought that we were able to get off the field and they were going to be able to kick a field goal. But unfortunately, Syracuse was able to get wide open on the crossing pattern because some of these defenders aren't able to really read and mask zone uh, defense. So, of course, the linebackers had to play better in space. You saw a lot of times with DJ Lundy and and Kevin uh, Wadosh and also Amari Gaynor, that really weren't able to uh, hand the defense off to the other the other defenders. So it really became difficult for some of these guys, and you, you wonder because some of the Florida State fans they're they're always wondering why is Florida State really running these man coverages, and it's just simply because we don't really have the guys necessary to have enough communication to pass off these guys in other spaces. So I mean, in terms of just being able to, you know, fit the scheme of this defense, I think you need to continue that man coverage but also have better safety help over the top. Um, unfortunately, we didn't really have uh, some of those discipline later in the game, but the defense made a pivotal stop when they had to, uh, wasn't able to get Syracuse to move the ball any further, and was able to get the offense back on the field with about a minute three left in the game. Uh, you know, of course, um, they were able to get their stand later. Uh, of course, the second through the fourth quarters, uh about the middle way through the second where uh, Schrader had his run it kind of had some middle lapses there. But overall, I thought the defense played pretty well. Uh, they pinned their ears back on a couple of plays. Jermaine Johnson probably should have had a little bit more sacks in the game. Uh, he got kind of paled a little bit on a couple of plays, but not going to blame anything on the rest because we got to execute better. But just overall, I think that the defense stepped up at a pivotal moment. The offense stepped up as well. Uh, even though Jordan Travis wasn't really able to effectively throw down the field, other than his uh, touchdown pass to Keyshawn Hilton, where he made a terrific diving play. I thought that there was moments there where the offense could have taken a couple of shots downfield. But like I said, we just don't have the receivers right now to kind of create shep, uh, separation. But just overall, I mean, the defense, uh, special teams, and offense really stepped up in, in the pivotal moments. And uh, when Ryan Fitzgerald needed it uh, at the very end to connect on a 34-yard field goal, he did just that. And uh, – you know, now Ryan Fitzgerald is actually five for seven on the year for field goals. Uh, he's missed a couple extra points, but you have to remember, too, that Dustin Hopkins, when he was a freshman at Florida State, he also missed his fair share of extra points and also his fair share of field goals as well. So uh, we will definitely see how Ryan Fitzgerald kind of responds to these moments. I think he's kind of learning on the fly. Um, you know, this was a guy that Willie Taggart offered a scholarship to. He thought he, he was very thought highly of and I really do think that he is a special, talented kicker. He's just got to get everything together technique-wise, confidence-wise, and he's got to trust his fundamentals. So, uh, Overall, I think it was a very good win. Um, I wasn't really sure to celebrate or to breathe a sigh of relief because, like I said, this Syracuse team is not very good. Um, But, I mean, this team needs to learn how to win, and they did just that. So, I mean, I can't complain. There are a ton of things that need to be done, uh, kind of like Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas said in their media sessions. We gave up 30 effing points. Uh, this isn't acceptable for a Florida State defense. Uh, they understand that. There, there are several different components of this game that need to be fixed. Uh, there are several different things that you need to do to make sure that they don't get back in the game. Uh, but overall, I think they executed well late in the game to finish off the, off the uh, comeback there. And uh, just hoping
0: that Florida State continues this effort into Chapel Hill this week. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, Kira Thomas stepped up pretty good this game. I, I mean, I've been kind of yeah. waiting on it. I, I was wondering when he was going to get his moments of yeah. where he just looked like himself. Uh, I believe in the Syracuse game, we got a glimpse of what I'm hoping to get in the UNC game. Um, Again, I mean, I could be corrected on this. I'm not positive, but from what I've seen, uh, the depth at UNC's offensive line is not great by any means. Um, I would say that even their starting line is possibly on the better side of average. Um I wouldn't say yeah, an they're fighting
1: injuries with uh, the center. I think they're sharing uh, responsibilities with two centers. I think uh, it was either Keir Thomas or Jermaine Johnson talking about this earlier. Um, North Carolina is battling kind of like what we're doing at center right now. So right. that is something to watch, like you said.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think the, the, the best attack, uh, what I would say, for the UNC game um, is going to be getting. Some type of blitz package with Kira Thomas or uh, or another linebacker. Deloach, I think, would do well just because he's quick. Um, and Jermaine coming off of the edge. Uh, Coop up the middle. I understand that they're not a run-heavy team. They don't really have a dynamic running back by any means. Uh, but if you get that pressure up the middle and you push them out of the pocket, that's, that's where he gets uncomfortable. It's, if he wants to come out of the pocket himself – then it's for some reason he clicks okay with it. But if you force him out of the pocket, he doesn't seem to mesh too well with it. He doesn't like being forced out of the pocket. If it's not the game plan or that's not the plan of that play, he doesn't want to be moved out of the pocket. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking if if we get decent amount of pressure on Sam, um, as we did last year, that he makes mistakes. Uh, he's had a pretty decent season, but I will still say that they have lost to people they shouldn't have. If North Carolina was a team that they were supposed to be, they should be 5 and 0 right now. They're not. They're 3 and 2. Um so I mean they are beatable. So it's not like we're going in there with you know just a a a puncher's chance, so to say. Um yeah. and we're coming off of a win. And that that's something we haven't done yet this season. So how do we how do we mesh with each other, you know, the it, the greatest part of it to me was It's just like you were saying, you know, Jermaine and Kira Thomas was like, we gave up 30 effing points. And great, yeah, we won, but everybody was more on the side of what they didn't do right, what they needed to correct, what progress needed to be made. We're not playing to our potential is what a couple of them said. Um, Yeah, we came out with the win, but... We're not playing to our potential. This isn't as good as we are. We're better than this, and we know it. So that made me feel really good that it wasn't just all, you know, yeah. kind of like how we came off the Notre Dame loss with a bunch of moral victories. We actually get a victory against Syracuse, and it's the opposite effect. We have more work to do. We are not performing at our best, and we don't like it. Um, so I'm I'm really intrigued to hear that type of attitude after a win. Like, it's they wasn't even – they didn't even celebrate that for 30 minutes before they were talking about what they needed to do right, correct what they were doing wrong. So that, to me, showed a high expectation of uh, competitiveness. They they want to compete to win. They expect to win. It's not, we're just going out here and doing the best we can, and whatever happens, happens. I, I'm glad that's not our attitude. Um, offensively, run the ball. Please, just run the ball. Their defense isn't in any means great or even good at that, if if I can say. They're just not. They're not good. We can run the ball on them. Uh, if you give Ward the ball 15 to 20 times, you give Corbin the ball 15 to 20 times, and, and you work in some screens with uh, uh, number nine, Tophilia, you give uh, McDonald some more shots. Uh, as y'all saw how he muscled his way to the end zone, uh, you you have a huge, huge advantage. If you've noticed what a lot of the defenses have done, and this is why Syracuse was open in the middle of the field, we don't throw the ball to the middle of the field because of accuracy issues. Uh, We're worried about throwing interceptions uh, with Jordan. Um, Is what I was told why. I I don't 100% agree with it because I don't really see when Milton's in there that we ever attack the middle of the field. No. I think it's a separation issue with, the wide receivers more so than it is we're scared of the middle of the field. But on that touchdown pass to Helton, they set up a pump fake to that screen to ward and they all bit. And in the center of the field, yeah, the pass was a little high. Helton went up and got it. And we scored a touchdown in the middle of the field. So a lot of defenses are backing, just not covering the middle of the field on us. They don't have to, because we don't attack it. So there's no reason for them to bring that safety down. There's no reason for a linebacker to back out of his post so they know we're going to the flat so that's why their linebackers go to the flat that's why dbs and safeties are up um almost in press coverage uh i see that being a a huge advantage of going to this game because again unc's defense isn't that great and they're watching film on what we have done and they're going to prepare for what we have done now will we be able to go four quarters with doing something that we haven't been doing probably not But I do think you'll get the first two quarters out of it or the last two whenever you decide to start attacking the middle of the field. Um, I I would say that you surprise them at some point, either the first two quarters or the last two, and you start going in the middle of the field so it becomes just out of their comfort zone. They wasn't prepared for it. So I think that this game is going to be a lot closer than a lot of the people I've seen um, prediction-wise here lately. Um, I, I do have... Either way, Taylor. I mean, this is what I've noticed. Yeah. So if Florida State, if people are picking Florida State to win, uh, most of them are picking us to win like something crazy. I think it's crazy, thirty-five to seventeen, and then vice versa. If they're picking UNC, it's a crazy forty-five to twenty-one or forty-five to seventeen. Like there's this big gap on whichever team's being picked to win, mm-hmm. and I, I'm I'm in the opposite, complete opposite direction of what i think everybody else is doing mm-hmm. i i think the way that virginia tech beat them um and i mean it was a low scoring game for unc because i think they yeah were, they only scored 17 points or something like that or 10 and you, uh, virginia tech ended up beating them regardless uh but it was a lower scoring game uh, mm-hmm. virginia tech does have a pretty decent defense in my opinion um so they were able to, to hold sam howell and that one dynamic receiver that they do have um I mean, if you delete Sam Howell and you delete that wide receiver, they ha- they need to find, as as far as UNC, they need to find another weapon because if we could put press coverage on the wide receiver and bring a safety over to the top to basically double cover the guy and you eliminate those big plays from that wide receiver, <coughs> Sam Howell's got to find a different way to get the ball down the field other than that one guy. And I think that's what Virginia Tech did was eliminated that wide receiver It caused Sam how to throw the ball to places he's not – hasn't been, doesn't really want to. There was a lot of drops for UNC in that game. Um, So I'm anticipating that that's how we beat them on the defensive side. On the offensive side, just run the ball. I mean, wear them out, and then you can start picking them (coughs) apart. First two quarters, I would – I mean, if you only had three pass plays, I wouldn't be mad about it at all. Just run the ball down the throat continuously uh, just to wear them out. Um, obviously if we're not getting first downs and they're stopping the run which I don't see happening but if that's happening obviously we yeah we have to pass the ball. But um my score prediction I'm going pretty quick into this just because I have yeah, talked man. about it so much. Um yeah. I'm saying that that FSU is going to <clears> win <throat> um 33 to 28. That that's my prediction. Um and I think that it's it's a I think it's a 30 to 21 ball game by the time we score that field goal and then unc late in the game gets a touchdown late to make it 28 to 33 that and i think that's how it ends i think we end up running the clock out uh or keeping them out of the end zone long enough for them not to take the lead and we win the game um that that would be my anticipation that's what i'm hoping for um you can elaborate more on what their weapons are and what they're you think they're going to do but I'm pretty much just so ready for the game, dude. That I don't even want to talk. I don't even want to talk about him no more. Like yeah. I don't. I have like an ill will towards Sam Howe. I really yeah. do. I really like. I feel like a lot of the, like McDonald. I think is one of the, one of the main ones that I I, I listened to a lot about Sam. Mm-hmm. And it's not that Sam was a bad kid. It's not that. Uh, it's not because Sam decommitted and went to UNC. It it was the way he did it. Though, it was just really. I don't want to say that someone's it was really unprofessional. He just like, "All right, guys, see you later." And it and I I completely agreed with another host of Holics that said it. And he was like, "It was just the way they left is it's like really personal for a lot of these guys that are still left at FSU with Sam Howe." It really is that they really they genuinely say that they're friends, but there's still a, a real raw feel to how he left and they were extremely Anticipating him to come to FSU and the way he left, they were not happy with it. So I think this is going to be extremely uh, personal. Still, I don't think it's gone. And and plus, we want to win. So uh, I'll let you I'll let you go from there because I'll get on Tim. I won't stop.
1: Yeah. So you kind of hit the nail on the head. I I don't think North Carolina's offensive line is that great. I think it's average. Um. You know. A lot of people talk about Sam Howell and kind of how this offense runs. Um, But, I mean, I just want to talk about Ty Chandler. I think everything kind of runs around with that running back that they have there. Um, He's got 423 yards this season, four touchdowns. I think everything kind of starts from him establishing the run. Uh, I think just like Syracuse, I think they like to establish the run early, kind of get them in, you know, second manageable situations. That way they can take shots down the field. And, um, you know, what better kid to take shots down the field than Josh Downs? Um, you know, the kid's averaging 620 yards, uh, 15 yards a catch and six touchdowns. And he's got over 40 receptions. So, I mean, you know, out of Sam Howell's 95 pass completions, he's thrown 40 and completed 40 to Josh Downs. Um, he loves the middle of the field. And that's definitely what Florida State has struggled in this season, just getting the middle of their defense kind of in line. And, you know, some of their safeties have got to step up. Uh, you know, Sidney Williams is going to be a guy I think that's got to step up as well. Uh, Jakaris, uh, Jakaris McClellan as well, I think, is going to be another guy that's going to have to step up. Um, we're going to have to figure it out because, I mean, Florida State's kind of been a bad disadvantage here. I think it's bad on bad for Florida State. Uh, you know, North Carolina passes the ball down the field very well. Uh, Florida State has struggled this season to kind of solidify the secondary right now and you know Jarvis Brownlee's had his ups and downs you've seen a couple of moments here and there um, you know and Jones has shown his ups and downs um, Miko Dotson has not really shown that he's been healthy enough to kind of consistently be out there at all times even though Travis Jay is healthy he has also shown a little bit of in- injury concerns and consistency issues as well when trying to battle 50-50 balls and a lot of the time during practice this week they really emphasize winning those 50-50 battles, those consistently just winning one-on-ones. And, you know, Coach Norvell has went hands-on technique, trying to teach some of these defensive backs and saying, hey, you have to make sure that you have your hands up, make sure the time the pass is very right, because Sam Howell is going to show no remorse. He is going to throw 400 yards on you if you don't, you know, if you aren't careful. And, you know, a lot of times with these defensive backs, they need to understand that, You know, you have to have safety help over the top. You can't just be on islands against these receivers. Of course, you know, they may be able to get away with a couple of different uh, things going there because, you know, besides Josh Downs, I mean, you have Antoine Green, uh, a four-star receiver from the Class of 2020 class that, uh, you know, Florida State was recruiting. He has 205 yards, and he's averaging 22 yards a catch. So, I mean, he's a deep play receiver as well. But, you know, Josh Down, he's, he's more of that speedy 5'10 wide receiver that they like to put all over the field. And I think it's just going to be a very, very – just a bad mismatch for Florida State. Um, overall, I think that if they want to win this game, they have to kind of establish the defensive line. I think they have to pin their ears back. I don't think Florida State needs to blitz because here's the thing. If you start blitzing with linebackers and safeties and corners, Sam is going to pick you apart. Um, you know, the defensive line has got to win – by the four up front, and that's going to have to happen, or Florida State's not going to be able to win this game. I think Jermaine Johnson's going to have to take a, take a step forward. Kier Thomas, like you said from last game, he's got to take that step forward as well. And I'm just going to say this now, but I hate that Dennis Briggs actually is out for the season with a lower body injury for the rest of the season after a cheap uh, chop block against uh, Louisville. You know he played the rest of the game, but unfortunately, he uh, Coach Norvell did say in the media sessions that he's going to be out. So it is kind of bad to think about that because I think he was going to be a tremendous talent this season, kind of learning and developing that defensive tackle position. Uh, you know, even coming from last season when he uh, you know came out for COVID concerns and he came back for the North Carolina game, actually, ironically. And, um, you know, he he performed pretty well the rest of the season. He kind of showed his growth and development. He's gained about 30 pounds, so he's up to about 290, 295 now. So, I mean, there are weapons there at the defensive tackle position. You know, you have Robert Cooper and you have Fabian Lovett. You have guys like Jarrett Jack, uh, Jackson as well. Sean Ray Jackson is a little banged up right now, but they like Joshua Farmer. Uh, Malcolm Ray was a guy that stepped up uh, recently, so maybe he can get into, into the fold of things, but – I want to see more from Marcus Cushney. I've watched him personally a couple of times when he was at Alabama A&M, and he hasn't shown anything. Um, you know, of course, Derek McClendon and also Question Fuller have been guys that have stepped up as a reserve role. But Marcus Cushney, you know, even though we spent a scholarship on him and he's going to be back next season, hopefully, um, he's got to do better in, in getting onto the field and showing the coaching staff that he's able to uh, execute at a high level. Um, Overall, I think that the defensive line is going to be the key in this game. Um, With Dennis Briggs out, it's going to be a lot more of a Jared Jackson, Malcolm Ray kind of deals there. But you're hoping that this defensive front can generate enough pressure to make Sam Howell a little bit uncomfortable. Um, maybe it might force him into a couple of bad throws, but you're hoping they're able to double team uh, Josh Downs. You're hoping that's going to be a priority for this team, maybe putting a safety over the top to make sure he doesn't go anywhere. Uh, Make sure you watch slant routes. Uh, Make sure if you do any crossing routes, make sure zone coverage is picked up and communication is always there between the defensive backs and the secondary. But just overall, it's about communication for this defense. And I think they have all the tools to be successful. Offensively, we have a little bit more limitations, but defensively is where we can put our strength. And we have a bunch of athletes that are really, really good. But the problem is they have to kind of piece it all together. I think that Miko Dotson coming back in this game, I think it's going to be really big for this team, kind of getting more consistency. He's a very good locker room guy, very good presence on the locker room, but Kevin Windosh, DJ Lundy, Amari uh, Gaynor, they've all got to be better in coverage because, I mean, if you're coming down to run support, you're stopping Ty Chandler, that's great, but when it comes down to third and 10, third and 11, when you're getting them in bad situations, you have to be better at coverage, and if not, it's going to be a very, very long game for Florida State, especially when offense is going to probably come in a premium. Uh, I do think that this North Carolina defense is actually pretty talented. I mean, overall, I think that they are decent. I mean, Miles Murphy has uh, three sacks on the season. Uh, Tony Grimes, a four-star cornerback that we actually recruited, actually has two interceptions on the season. So, I mean, there's there's guys there. I think uh, Jamiah is is actually another leading tackle for them at the linebacker position. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Florida State really handles all of that offensively. Um, I hope that we don't run a lot of screens because, you know, North Carolina is going to be uh, keying in on a couple of those screens as well. Maybe we can turn into a couple of screens, like you said, where we fake the screen, but we throw it right down the middle to Keyshawn Hilton. You know, just other opportunities that are able to get these line, or these wide receivers in space. And like you said, run the ball. Um, it isn't hard. Um, I know that Trashawn Ward's dealing with a couple of things uh, offensively, you know, that he's got to get through. Um, also, Jay Sean Corbin's got a couple of things he's got to get through as well. But overall, they have to be more consistent. Um, they're doing a pretty good job so far with the limited reps that they've had so far. But just overall, we have to have more receivers step up. Uh, we have to give Jordan Travis a little bit more time. It's a little bit more difficult because Robert Scott is hobbling and he's not 100%. I don't even know if he's 50%. Uh, I think he rushed himself out there a little too hard. But, I mean, it is – you know, Robert Scott's a competitor, so he's going to be out there as much as he can. Um, Overall, I I just think that uh, Florida State's going to do a decent job. I I think that the offense is going to come. Of course, I don't think that they're going to be in a situation where, like Syracuse, they were uh, able to get them on third – for uh, 13 on third down conversions and 0 for three for fourth down conversions, I just don't think that that's going to happen for Florida State in this game. I definitely think that Sam Howell is probably going to pick apart this defense. As bad as I hate to say it, I just think this is a very bad matchup for Florida State going forward. Um, like I said, I, I just don't know where Florida State can really exploit this uh, this team, and I think Sam Howell has got kind of their number right now with just just with Florida State in general. Um, before I get into my score prediction, I, I know that uh, a lot of people are talking about recruiting uh, just in terms of a couple of things that were coming out recently. Uh, Lou the uh, four-star offensive tackle uh, commitment, he has got a couple of crystal balls to Georgia. Um, also, if I remember correctly, Travion Williams has taken a visit to, I think it's Ole Miss. Um, also, Antidious Woody's taken a visit to Auburn um sam mccall did an article earlier um alabama is back in communication with him so recruiting is uh definitely taking a downfield spiral right now with just in terms of the talent uh florida state's got to get more productive on the field to be able to get some of these prize recruits back into the swing of things uh not trying to sound like the bearer of bad news but florida state's got to do a better job of being more consistent Uh, They have to kind of show a little bit more fight and effort and uh, battle through adversity through the uh, situations. But I do think that they can piece together a couple of good moments in this game. But I don't think it's going to be enough. Um, I definitely think this North Carolina team is super talented, even though they have two losses on the season. But uh, if I had to name a score prediction as of right now, and I'm going to be releasing this a little bit later on my Instagram account. So this is the first time I've kind of previewed uh, everything – just in general. So I'm going to be working on that content to uh, release tonight. But I do have the final score as uh, North Carolina 41 and uh, Florida State 17. I just don't think they have enough offense to uh, kind of generate anything. I think the defense is going to get kind of pushed back into a couple of backfield goal positions. I don't think that they have enough in terms of pinning them deep. I don't think Mastromano is going to do a great job in this game. I think he might take a step back. Uh, just in terms of where I think Florida State's offense is probably going to be punting the ball at certain situations, and I just think this is a bad matchup. Even though I think that Joshua Downs, I think our Josh Downs has uh, had a couple of injury issues right now. He's going through a high ankle sprain, but I'm just hoping that you know there there is a way that Florida State's able to uh, to do this. But this was such a bad matchup to kind of go past. I wish that we had UMass in between this game and in North Carolina. Uh, because we can able to generate two wins and kind of get our mistakes, kind of push them in the back. But uh, right now, I just think there's there's not a whole lot of momentum in terms of just Florida State's offense. I hope I'm completely wrong about this game, but I just have a really, really bad feeling, and I think that Florida State is just matched up with North Carolina at the very, very wrong time. Well,
0: I'm going to be a little bit offensive here. You sound like everybody last year.
1: Yeah, I just I, here,
0: here, and like I said, go ahead. No, here here's the reason why. I I mean, other than weather, because um, it's supposed to be a sloppy, wet, just yeah. rainy game. That's not good for passing. It's definitely not good for catching the ball. No. And if we're gonna be run heavy, it's obviously a lot better for running. As far as fumbles go, obviously they can slip and fall and uh, yeah. et cetera. That yeah, that can happen. But that's why I think the score gets a lot low. I mean, I think my score prediction is high as far as how many total points are going to be scored. reason yeah. that I'm saying that is because I don't know if everybody's or, – or if anybody that's listening or if you've ever played this game, I don't care how big your hands are. I don't care how good you are. I don't care if you're Jerry Rice. If you ever go back and watch Jerry Rice's drops in his career, whether it be in – College or in the NFL, it was raining. Yep. So, and and when people are dealing with high ankle sprains or any type of injury, they're going to limit how they cut. They're going to limit how how hard they run, et cetera, because they don't want to further injure themselves. I think that there's going to be a lot of limitations for North Carolina offensively to where two people aren't just going to pick our defense apart. And I think the weather is our friend in the game. I'm extremely optimistic. Uh, I was last year when we went to play North Carolina. I thought North Carolina got. Uh, I thought they were exposed uh, last year. I think North Carolina, in my opinion, was a better team last year than they were than they are this year. Uh, just because they had a de- they had decent run, they had three wide receivers that were worth talking about. Now they have one. I'm not saying that the other guys that they have are just you know chip shots and they're they're not going to be productive Mm -hmm. at all that's that's not where i'm going but people tend to go to their best player or best playmaker when Mm -hmm. things aren't great whether it be weather whether it be you're down whether it be this game's too close in my opinion Uh, and when you start trying to force plays that's when i think offenses make mistakes if you notice last year there was a, a linebacker that Uh, I think it was – I don't remember what his name is. um, But he intercepted Sam Howe and ran it back for a pick six. It was a beautiful day in Tallahassee when we played him. It's throwing that out there. And he didn't like pressure. I don't think that this kid is as dynamic as people are putting him out to be. If he was with Florida State, I'd say the same thing. He does not – he just does not play well under pressure. I've never seen him do decent under pressure. I haven't seen him make a dynamic sidearm throw on the run when he's pressured. I just, I don't see it. Now it's going to be in the formats of weather. There's going to be the format of I've got one guy I really can trust to throw the ball to. Um, and and I, I think with Jermaine coming off of the side he's coming off of and um, Kira Thomas coming off of the other side, not really having to worry about running backs too much. Not that you don't have to keep coverage on them, but I just don't think you're going to have to eliminate or eliminate a linebacker completely to a running back when they're probably going to leave him in pass protection. They're, they're probably going to use him as a chip blocker, try to you know, just get him, get whoever's coming back there off of the quarterback. And I don't think that the running backs that I've seen that they have are going to be able to hold off Jermaine Johnson or Kira Thomas. And if Coop comes in there, I really don't believe that anybody's going to chip block him away. So that's why I think that this game is going to be, in my opinion, a lot lower scoring than most think. I mean, last year they were supposed to beat us by like I think the FPI was twenty three points, twenty six, or something like that. Crazy.
1: Yeah, and I looked at the uh, the previous spread for North Carolina last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. It was at thirteen and a half. So last um, year was
0: thirteen and a half. This year is more.
1: It's uh yeah, seventeen and a half this year.
0: I say Florida State covers that. I really do.
1: And, I mean, the only reason I think it is because I don't think Chapel Hill is some hostile road environment. I really don't. Mm-mm. But North Carolina does play better at home. And we play significantly worse on the road. And we haven't had a road victory since 2019 Louisville. But so, it seems like we're due. Yeah, and and there's there's reason for optimism because this team has actually shown that it can finish a ball game. So, I mean – like I said, I hope my score prediction is completely and utterly wrong. I mean, last season I picked North Carolina to win 28-24. So, I mean, I was on the right track. You know, I didn't expect Florida State to pull away and, and really get up a, a first-half lead because uh, that's something Florida State really hasn't been able to do that much. Um, and I think they were coming off that uh, Notre Dame loss uh, where the offense kind of exploded a little bit. So I should have expected a little bit more offensive output. But like I said – uh, didn't really go the way I thought it would, but like I said, this team in general—I just don't know if the offense has enough playmakers. And I'm not saying this North Carolina defense is world beaters because they're really not. I, I really think this this Florida State team can really be able to effectively run the ball, be able to push the ball downfield the if they if they have opportunities. Now, I wouldn't recommend doing it often because it's going to be raining, like you said. You're going to have to slow the ball game down, limit your possessions may somehow be able to throw, you know, feel uncomfortable with Jermaine Johnson and Kira Thomas coming off the edge. But just overall, I just – I want to see a better effort. I I really want to see Florida State kind of put all of the pieces together. Um, They've done a nice job in the last two weeks of limiting their their penalty yardage, uh, their penalties just in general. I think they've only had five penalties in the last two games. So Mm -hmm. that is something to really point to and say, hey, you know, if we don't, you know, basically kill ourselves at that point – Just what we do. And, you know, I think that Florida State's really kind of got that mantra down together in just terms of, hey, you know, we're our own worst enemy. We're going to kill ourselves if we're just going to keep, you know, having nine penalties against Jacksonville State, you know, 11 penalties against Wake Forest, seven penalties against uh, Notre Dame. There's opportunities out there for Florida State to kind of take advantage of it. And yes, they don't really have wide receivers that can create separation. I don't think Andrew Parchman is all the way there consistently yet. I think there is several aspects of this game that have to be corrected, especially with being able to uh, finish catches, being able to finish the route, even if he is getting beat downfield. You know, even Malik McLean, he's having growing pains as a true freshman, but he is a true freshman. Uh, and Terry Wilson, another guy. You know, you got to make sure that you're more consistent receiving the ball. Houston Helton is coming off two years of an injury, but he is playing more consistent like I thought he would. Um Overall, I just don't know. Um, they're utilizing the tight ends better, so maybe they're able to generate a little bit more tight end production. I'm not a huge fan of the uh, Jordan Wilson in the slots. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, I we, would didn't do it, we didn't do much against
0: Syracuse, though, right?
1: Uh, I saw it at least six times. I don't know if I've seen it anymore. But we didn't more.
0: go to him, right? Like we that wasn't No, 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 no. We no, didn't no, target no.
1: it. Um I also think that that was some of the case for the wide receiver screens on the outside. I do think that some of those you know we had a couple of the diamond sets that we used mm-hmm. uh where he was on the on the slot. There were some where it was like a three wide receiver set on the outside with the trip side. I thought that we used him pretty well there, but I mean, I only think he he only got targeted once and that was just kind of a little bitty like crossing route um wasn't really anything special but I'm not really sure what they're planning to do. I get it. But at the same time, I would much rather him be, if he's going to be truly in the slot, I would definitely want him to be more of an inline blocker, especially getting some of these run games going. Um, It takes us a little bit longer to get the run game going, which kind of concerns me a little bit. Um, You're going to have to get the run game going, especially in in rainy weather like that. Um, And if, if, Ward and Corbin is able to get through some of their processes they're going through in game weeks. Um, you're hoping that Florida State is able to generate some kind of, you know, just advantage in that terms. Uh, North Carolina doesn't have a one-two punch like you said. I mean, their second leading rusher is Sam Howell, and you know, I think he's got like 230 yards. So I mean, yeah, he's a he's most an of okay weapon.
0: What Georgia? I think they played Georgia State or or something like that.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, too, um, you just reminded me about that. Uh, you know, during their loss against uh, Georgia Tech, uh, it was 45-22, to 22, and uh, Jeff Sims, he had like 150 rushing yards. So if that doesn't give you any optimism about Jordan Travis, uh, Jeff Sims does not like the world on fire. Let me just tell you this right now. I, I don't hate Jeff Sims. Don't, don't even question it. But I will say that Jeff Sims is not a passer, not at all. Um, he is not a world-beater quarterback, uh, nor would he probably ever be in his career at Georgia Tech. But I will say that he had some very, very good advantages, especially not even starting the game. He only played about two and a half quarters against North Carolina and was able to do that much production in such a little bit of time. Will Jordan Travis be able to hold up and be able to get through durability-wise? Probably not. But if you're able to kind of generate a couple more, uh, options, maybe, maybe a couple more, uh, design quarterback runs, instead of making him scramble out of the pocket for dear life. Um, I understand that a lot of times, a lot of people playing cover 2 They're bringing one safety down in the box. You know, they're not really scared of the downfield passing, but if you're able to maybe have a couple of play actions here or there to generate a couple more momentum, that probably wouldn't be the, the worst thing in the world. Um, Overall, I think this North Carolina team is beatable, but I just think, you know, they match up way too big for to State. I, you know, it's a 70% chance of rain, so I'm hoping that it downpours the whole entire game, and I hope that it never stops. Uh, yeah, I just – I don't know. Um, personally, I, I don't think – like I said, I don't think it's going to be some kind of hostile road environment. I don't think you got to worry about crowd noise as much. Uh, it's going to be a 2.30 game at Chapel Hill. I mean, really. Uh, but you know, I just I, I want to see what Florida State does in responding, and I, I just don't know if they're going to respond in the correct way. Um, I think this time, this team is still not really reached its full stride. Um, but we've seen under Norvell the last couple of games they haven't given up. Even in the Wake Forest game, they were able to get that uh, goal line stand there at the end. So you saw flashes, and you saw you saw different things, but you know. You're looking at a team that basically, you know, all but one one loss, all but one game basically has come down to one possession. So I mean, yeah, I mean, you can say Florida State's going to be four and one. I wouldn't necessarily go that route because they played pretty terrible against Louisville. But I mean, you know, we'll, we'll definitely see. I, I definitely think, yeah, you know, like you said, three and two is definitely something because that Louisville game we shouldn't have ever been. in. they they absolutely destroyed our defense in the first half, and uh, that was. Pretty bad there for a minute. But Jacksonville State game comes down to execution. Uh, you know, Notre Dame game, we had them down the wraps. Should have been able to contribute there for a little bit. But just overall, Florida State's got to be able to do a better job and not killing themselves. And I think they've done a better job. But we're just going to have to see how Florida State kind of goes. But I will say this is my final thought before I let Chris take over fully with everything. But, you know, I just – I'm not sure. Um, I, I believe in Mike Norvell. I believe in his system. I believe in this program. And I think it's going to be a really good test to see how we are going to be able to handle adversity because this team isn't, is not going to give us adversity. I mean, yeah, Sam, Sam Howell isn't super dynamic. Uh, he is a prolific passer that is able to stretch the field downfield, but he does only have one receiver that he's thrown to, you know, 40 times. The rest of his receivers have only had nine receptions or fewer. So, I mean, with that being said, I mean, if you want to put a safety over the top and put a corner over there, maybe put Travis Shea, maybe put Miko Dotson and put your best safety back there. Maybe put Sidney Williams on that side or uh, Jarvis McClellan. Or even, I mean, if you want a guy, guy like uh, Brendan Gant that just sets the tone. I mean, I know he's not the best tackler in the open field, but, I mean, if you want to set the tone early, maybe get a couple of big hits there, hit it here or there and uh, make make the receiver kind of think about going down the middle of the field, then uh, so be it. But I think this is just a bad matchup for Florida State, but I am hoping I am severely wrong with this, but I do have them losing by 28 in this one. I
0: do want um, – I, I'm, I'm, I need to do it myself uh, as well, but I do know in the Syracuse game for a fact, I've been preaching since the first game of the season against Notre Dame if you're going to run an RPO, especially Coach Norvell's RPO, that for you to win games, you have to control the time of possession. Otherwise, you won't win. If you do me a favor and go, look, we beat Syracuse by three points, 33-30. to If you check out the time of possession, we only had the ball a minute and 16 seconds longer than Syracuse. Therefore, is your reason why the game is so close? Your defense didn't make as many stands as they needed to. They gave up a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of long second downs and a lot of third and longs, um, which is where they need to tighten up. And I think if you get this this North Carolina team in this, uh, this third and long, which is third and six or better, you have a way better chance of shutting that out. Uh, but... I, I just don't see where North Carolina overpowers us to the point that they can beat us by more than 14 points. I, just, I don't see it. I, if they would have, like, just annihilated a defense that was just superb to ours, then I would probably be yeah. talking different. But the, deep, the the games that they've won, they haven't – played against a great defense. I'm not saying that we are, mm-hmm. but I am saying that we have, in my opinion, we have better athletes on our defense than the ones that they have currently beaten. I'll also say that we have at least equal athletes to the teams that they've lost to. I also think that we have a better defensive line than most of the teams that of the two teams that they lost to uh, as in an, all is in depth. Um, obviously, you know, Guys, we we have a great time uh, as fans, or I mean, even analysts themselves at ESPN or anywhere. Everybody has fun predicting games. I mean, everybody we we kind of live for it. I think it's a strive for us to be part of it, um, and obviously that's why the games played. Because if we could predict all of them correctly, there'd be no point in playing the game. Uh, it's not like Johnny plays Monopoly seventy times a week and. He wins 69 times, and it's like easy to predict. These are two teams that are straddly different than than the teams yeah. last year. Um, Florida State's issue, this, this is the only issue that I see. We have not put four quarters together yet on both sides of the sure. ball. Is this the game that Florida State decides, hey, are we going to take this like we're playing Notre Dame, like we did at the beginning of the season, and we're going to put – one of our best games together? Or are we going to look at this like uh, we're playing Wake Forest and they're going to have their way with us? I don't know what the mindset was against Wake Forest. I really don't. I do know that like Taylor said that we we made that uh, goal line stance closer to the end. We had moments in that game where we looked like an incredible team in my opinion. Uh, But it's Our biggest problem is we have no consistency to this point. And he brought up Andrew Parchment, you know, not being consistent, which he's not. But I will say this, the past two games, he surely has done a lot more than the previous three to that. He's coming around a lot slower than people anticipated, uh, but he's finally coming around. Like I mentioned, I haven't mentioned Kira Thomas a whole lot before Syracuse. I I hadn't mentioned um, uh, McDonald a whole lot as far as reception-wise before Syracuse. I personally think that Syracuse's defense played a lot better than anybody expected. I I did not see any of their – I didn't see their defense in the games that they've won or lost play as well as they did against us. And then I started – I have to get really analytical – I had to really start. Are, are we playing offense this bad? Is that why they look this decent, or are they really doing something different than what they usually do? So when I went, y'all don't think this is crazy, but Taylor does it too. Um, I know quite a few people that do it. I will literally go to the game and watch it live, and it's about a two-hour drive for me to get home. Uh, for Taylor, it's about a, a little bit longer. Uh- About three and a half. About three and a half. Do y'all? You would be amazed that I barely get inside, get my shoes off before I turn the recording of that game on and rewatch it. Yep. Because you 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 do miss you being there live. There's nothing like it. I. That's why I go. But there's a lot of things you can't see. That obviously those camera angles and they get everything. I mean that's that's how you have replay. so we go back and rewatch it to see, you know, what did we miss? Uh, I mean, the players do the same thing; they're playing the game. The coaches stand on the sidelines. They're like, you know, we'll we'll know more once we get to watch film. Film really, really helps. It really gets your. You, you can really tell what happened or what didn't happen a lot better than in the live game because you're in the moment. Um, you, and you, again, you don't get every angle as a fan. Even the coaches have that issue, but I I, I have a a huge Love for Florida State, I, I always have, I always will. Um, I feel like uh, Norville gets a lot of heat. Uh, I will say most of it is probably expected. Uh, but God, I'm gonna address the Twitter people real quick. Would y'all please shut the f- mm, up about getting Urban Meyer? Like Jesus please. Christ, shut the, please. Just shut up. Nobody wants. I don't look. I I've got heart problems um, at the age of eighty, maybe. But please don't let you know put me in his category. I don't want to have heart problems because if we hire Urban Meyer or somehow he ever became a part of FSU, I would literally probably have a heart attack. Please don't. That's like saying we're going to hire Dan Mullen or we're going to hire Steve Spurrier or something. Please shut up. Just stop talking. Do me a favor and just shut up, because. We don't want Dan, we don't want Dan Mullen, we don't want Urban Meyer, we, we don't want uh, Diaz. I don't want none of them. And that's what I keep telling people. I don't understand. Okay, yeah. we get rid of Norvell. Who are you going after? And if your answers are Urban Meyer, Dan Mullen, which now everybody's got Dan Mullen on the hot seat at Florida, which is crazy to me. I mean, their fans are going as nuts about Dan Mullen that like they're uh, uh, one and four. I mean, literally, that's how Florida's acting right now, fan-wise. And that's blowing my mind. I mean, yeah, there's one guy, y'all, he he, he is pretty good. He says he roots for every major college in uh, the state of Florida. I feel bad I don't remember his name, but he does talk about how far the schools have fallen in the state of Florida. Like, getting 10 wins a year, was that's expected. It, we're expected to go is if it, it, it one of the three out of Miami, Florida, and Florida State, out of those three, somebody should be in the playoffs every year is anticipation for the old school type, you know, what we used to do, what what all three teams did. I, I mean, you go ask, you know, like Ray Lewis at Miami, you, you go ask uh, uh, Percy Harvin at uh, Florida, or you go ask uh, Pete Ubb or Charlie Ward or Chris Winkie, is, is this the type of football that we've played? And as of all three schools, and every one of them's going to shake their head. Hell no! Like we don't know what's going on. But here's the thing that's 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 normal. Now it's it's crazy, but think about how many coaches my head coaches Miami's had in the past fifteen years. Think about how many head coaches Florida has had since two thousand and one. I mean, after Steve Spurrier, it started just going all over the place. They had Muschamp, but uh, whatever the other guys, it just went on and on. Now Florida State, since uh, Jimbo left, I mean, you've had literally Jimbo, uh, Willie Tiger, and now Norvell within four four and five years, and everybody's wanting to know how these teams have fallen off. I mean, do you want the answer, or do you just want to keep questioning why we're not what we were? We're not what we were because – the culture has completely died at all three schools at one point. It's sad to say it. It's really hard for people to take. But the, the truth of it is, is all three of these schools have went through some just absurd amount of coaching changes, culture shocks. Um, it's hard to stay consistent on the recruiting route of being in the top 25 if you got a new coach every two years. I mean, I understand. I think Nick's been at uh, Miami for at least four or five years. Dan's been over there three or four or five, whatever it is. And you you would think that Miami should be more on track than they are. Technically, they should. Statistically, they're supposed to be. Uh, Florida, like, really depressed a lot of people last year with going eight and four. Uh, They're probably depressing people this year because of who – just they're not playing well it is just the the fact of the matter is and I, uh with Taylor I, I got to eat my words on this. This Richardson kid at Florida behind uh, Emory Jones is five times the quarterback Emory Jones is. And he is literally five times the quarterback that that kid is. Yeah. He's not as good as a runner and but as a as a quarterback uh that kid's got he got a bright future. Uh I personally hope he doesn't stay at Florida, but I think it's going to be the opposite. I think Emory Jones is going to transfer at, after this year. Uh, 'cause he's gonna his spot's gonna get taken if he stays um I wish it was the other way around. I wish Richardson would leave uh, i only have a, like two questions for you real quick Taylor before you go okay. yeah. um the the middle or the linebacker they hit the transfer portal for u c f and mm-hmm. there's a wide receiver and for the just for some reason I don't know where he's transferring from but <clears throat> Everybody was asking on my page, is Florida State going to go after either one of these guys?
1: No, uh, they are not. Uh, if I believe correctly, I think that linebacker from Central Florida has New Jersey ties. If I remember correctly, uh, he started off pretty consistently at uh, Central Florida. I think he's got like a hundred and thirty-five tackles or something like that, and like twenty games or something, something to that nature. And um, he started off really well as a consistent tackler, but I just don't see Florida State. I could be wrong, but I just don't – I haven't heard anything. I've heard they've they've followed on social media accounts, but they haven't reached out. Um, There just isn't a whole lot there. Um, Transfers, you know, of course, he's gotten a couple of good offers, but just overall I don't think that he goes anywhere. I think it may be like a Big Ten school, maybe like Rutgers, maybe like a school like Illinois. I just, I don't think he's that great of a talent personally. And I don't think Florida state should pursue. Um, I think there's going to be better options later on. Uh, but if you're Florida state though, if there is a linebacker option that does pop up in the portal, I do think that you need to go after it. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Gaynor and I'm not sure, you know, of course, um, Emmett Rice, I think is going to probably be back pretty soon. Uh, with that being said, I don't think he's going to be able to get a medical red shirt Uh, The other situation is, too, with uh, Winard Warner was another situation. He is still hurt at this moment as well. So uh, if both those guys play this season, I don't think they get medical redshirts. That's basically only for people that are going to be playing this season. And even then, I I don't know if they'll be able to get it. Medical redshirts are so hard to come by. Uh, Taysom Hill actually got one at BYU when he was the quarterback there. Uh, He had,